Good morning. Are you awake? I hope so. Because you are listening to Business and Legal Talk with Leon Claudine. Come on! Good morning. Good morning. What's up? We are here. It's Saturday. What's up, Kelly? It's, oh man. Hey, we were talking a little while ago about fall being in the air. It's official. Yeah. It's cold in the morning. Yeah. Right? Isn't it great? Now, if you're in LA, you're like cold. What is that? Right. right. Okay. Now, Sorry. What, define cold for us here in the Central Valley. 60, right? 55? 48. It's been in the mornings. Yeah, that's pretty cold. In my neck of the woods. Yeah. That's pretty cold. It's great, though. Now, you know, um, I know um, a lot of folks are looking forward to. Um, to Thanksgiving right around the corner? Is it? Yes. No way. No. Yes. No. Holidays, have you, so. have you started your I holiday shopping? I got goals shopping? to achieve. <laughs> the year cannot be slipping by. I got to make my quota. You better get Just out and sell. Got to sell, 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 right. baby. Get out there and sell. Yep. You, Christmas, you know, I, I can't believe it. Okay, so here we are, right? And um, October. And, uh, how, the, you know, I, I go to, you know, the operational, the, the growth guy that I am. I'm like, have I met, where am I with my, my, all of my goals? Because here's the thing. What we do is for the, for, for, you know, if you're the casual listener to our show, we're business and legal talk with Leah and Claudine. I handle the business part. You handle the legal part. I'm all about growth, but more importantly, profitable growth that is going somewhere. In one of our last podcasts, we talked about, you know, shows, we talked about scaling to sell. Right. Right. Now we're going to have another show to you, but it's all, that's where my mind goes. So it is October. You're saying Thanksgiving. I think, oh my gosh, do I have enough time? Because you know why? I love what I do. Right. I love what I, what, you know, I'm all about helping business owners be profitable and going where they want. I have, I have a passion. And if you met me, I'm a passionate person who is consumed <laughs> with help. Consumed. Really, consumed. I'm like bursting, bursting <laughs> out of my skin. I'm jumping out of my skin to help business owners. And I know we do this show because we're both the same. Right. 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 So today we have an interesting show. We're going to go Tell kind, us where kind we're a going. little bit off topic. But Come we, on. It's a topic that is not completely new to the show. It's a topic that we have talked about. Um, if you are alive and living, um, one of the consequences of that state is that you will, oh, at, <laughs> at some point, you will not be living anymore. So, wow. So, as we talk about exit strategies in the business, um, part of that exit strategy is to plan. Um, and plan financially, plan for your business. And part of that is also planning for what happens when you are no longer living. <laughs> I'm sorry. You had me as a consequence of living. As a byproduct of living, you dying. That's right. It's true. Are we dying right now? We are. We're living to die. Oh, my gosh. Living this is die. not a, a doom and gloom show. No, This no. is business and legal talk with Lee and Claudine, so we better spin it into some good news. But honestly, this is a subject that's really hard for a lot of people to deal with, and it is, it's really, really important because, unfortunately, there's one of two ways that this is going to happen. It can be... Um, what I refer to as a gift to your family, um, which is to have a living trust in place and, you know, make clear and known um, mm. who are your financial power attorneys, who are your health care power of attorneys, what is your health health care directive, um, ensuring that you've left instructions for um, how you want things uh, to be distributed beyond um, your okay. lifetime. Now, that's one way. The other way you can go is you can go probate 
which is let's do nothing and let the state take control of it. And we all know how well that's going. So... Okay, before we get down too far down, one yeah. of the things that our producers and the people that are involved in making the show turns into a podcast are like, Leo, what is the show about? Right. right so we're going to tell you what the show is about. Probate accounting, what you need to know. Right. Right. And prob- not- probate legal side. And the legal side. So probate, pro- probate accounting in the, le- in the legal side and the, what you must pay attention to. Right. Um, and- what, you know, maybe there's a big mistake that people do. What is the biggest mistake people do right. or have when conducting this, right? right? So we're going to unfor- talk about it today. Right. And, and unfortunately, what people don't understand is that you can avoid probate yourself by having a living trust um, and, and, and planning for what happens after you pass away. But unfortunately, you can't control everybody else. And mm, so ultimately, okay. you end up dealing with it. And it does tax you emotionally, physically, financially for those who are involved in it. So whether it's your mother, brother, sister, child, um, you know, whatever family member, and you may be asked to manage to be an administrator of a state for somebody who's not a blood relative, but mm. they're a friend. And there is somebody that, you know, if you have a will, so this is a piece that a lot of people don't understand. If you have a will, your will is still going to be probated. It's going to go to probate. And it's going to go through the probate process. Really? And this is what people, uh, I think this is the biggest misconception that I run into. People think that they have a will, even if it's a holographic will, which is a handwritten, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's perfectly okay if you sit down one day and you just want to write it down. Um, you know, this goes to this person, this goes to that person. That will has to be lodged with the court and it goes through the entire probate process. So the only people who have living trusts, or, um, you know, whether it be a revocable or irrevocable trust, only those people avoid probate. So the vast majority of the world is going to enjoy somehow, some way, the probate process. And what is probate? It's basically the court's oversight in the distribution of assets. Mm. And that's where folks like you come in, the distribution of assets. And what are the assets and what are the value of the assets? Because of, there are times where um, if a person passes away without a will, then things are supposed to be divided equally among a class of heirs, whether it's children or cousins or aunts and uncles. And it gets really complicated at times when we have various assets. Maybe we have property. Maybe we have paintings. Maybe we have household belongings. And all of these things have to be kind of categorized and, and distributed. And we do have probate examiners or and probate referees who work within the court system okay. who do appraisals and, and they do give us some sort of evaluations. Um, the question is, what happens if they're, if we don't think they're correct? Wow. Okay. And so, how do you deal with that? That's amazing. So I, I know how I or how we as a firm get involved is occasionally there has to be some due diligence, some investigative reporting, if you will, some forensic stuff. Forensic uh, stuff. Is that it's going to, I'm sure that that's kind of how it fits. I don't have a ton of experience on the matter, and I'm hoping that, you know, obviously you do. So it's going to be a great thing. You know, I'm going to be actually vicariously living through your experience on this show. But um, any, you know, uh, before we get in too much into it, we, we know with the, with a couple of minutes before we have before we get to the break, um, so anything that we should be paying attention to, uh, if you know, if you're giving, if you're distilling some knowledge, uh, uh, what tidbit could, could could you have the business owner here right now where we are in a year? 
Like anything that they should be aware of at this time in the year. With regard to probate or just this in time general, in the year? General, general. Because once we get into it, I want to just start diving into the, the different topics. Well, definitely this time of the year. We're in the fourth quarter. This yeah. is, you know, as, as you, uh, I'm sure, tell all of your clients and and would like everybody who's listening with an earshot to know, this is the time of year we need to start looking back and looking forward at the same time. We want to look back. Look back what did we do? How did we do it? Did we accomplish the goals? Did we not? Did we exceed them? Did we, you know, sh- come in a little under the goals? And then we want to really look at what's coming up um, and coming up for the new year. What changes can we make? Maybe we don't make any changes at all. We are reaching out to all of our clients right now, all of our business owners, and looking to schedule an opportunity to meet with them on corporate meetings. Now, when you set up your corporation, Typically, the bylaws identify the date of your required annual meeting. You're not restricted to have just one required annual meeting. That is just in your bylaws. And frankly, right. you could if, it, if your corporate meeting in your bylaws is scheduled to be, say, in May, uh-huh. and you would rather do it in the fourth quarter just because fourth quarter is that opportunity where everybody is really kind of looking at their businesses and they're kind of looking forward and looking backward at the same time, um, have that corporate meeting. We're reaching out now trying to schedule our um, our clients. And at the same time, we're asking our clients to please um, get in touch with the CPA, whoever is your tax or mm-hmm, uh, tax financial av- advisor, so that we can include them. That is a great opportunity. Um, I also like to, when possible, include the insurance person because mm. the insurance person for us works hand in hand on liability. And then we have bookkeeping tax. And so the bookkeepers are oftentimes not the tax people. Correct. And so we want to work hand in hand and we, by having one kind of bigger meeting, we can move faster. Um, We can sit down, take an hour, take, you know, 50 minutes, whatever the case may be, um, throw it all on the table. The bookkeeper say, this is what I want. The tax person says, this is what I need the bookkeeper to get me. You know, this year, what I want you guys to do is I want you to calculate it this way or account for it that way. And for us, we look at the liability. We look at what does our insurance look like? Is there some way we can cover liability with insurance? What's the cost effectiveness and all of that stuff? So Man, that okay. was a lot. That was a quick. I know your eyes rolled back in your I'm head. Just, I saw I l- that. You lost me about 30 seconds ago. Yeah. But I'm back. But you're back. Okay, anyway, just in time for the break. So <laughs> stay tuned. We'll be right back talking about probate and why should you care. We'll be right back. Hey, uh, welcome back. Business and Legal Talk with Ian Claudine. I was waiting for the producer to take me the, the finger. Like, hey, go, go, go. Oh, he go. gave you the finger? And he gave me and the finger. And I have my back right to that. Now. I missed that. I, he what? Just, he, and I had to finger him back. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Claudine, this is your show. It's be nice to, for a producer. I know. He's a very nice I'm guy. Gonna, he's amazing. I got your back. I got your he back on this. He is the real deal producer. Anyway, Claudine, what's up? So. Uh, probate. Yeah, we, um, you know, w- I think it's really important for people to kind of have some sort of a glimmer of, of what the probate process is. And just, you know, 
the 40,000 foot elevation. It is, it is a complex process. There's a lot of dates and deadlines and, and that are, that are court driven, but it is a process that people are usually floored once they get involved with it. And they mm-hmm. had no idea what a mess this is, how costly it is, um, what the rules are. Um, and they think it's mostly just kind of like the court is just going to st- you know, bang the gavel and let all the assets just transfer. And there's quite a process and we have to rely on, um, you know, how to evaluate the assets. And again, we, we do use the court appointed, uh, uh, referees and they do provide that. But what happens when you disagree and mm. what happens if they evaluate a property? So I was talking with another estate planning attorney um, here in Modesto, and, and she w- was sharing some of her experiences. Um, we have, there's a piece of property that's right now for sale through the probate process. So the owner has passed away. Um, property is uh, almost 300 acres, almond, almond farm on it. So we've got crops on it. So wow. it gets really, you know, kind of convoluted and, um, and in depth. And so, you know, w- what we were talking about is, is when, when the probate, um, uh, appraiser, evaluate something and, and the properties put on the market, you know, what is the chances that you're going to be able to move that price point? Mm-hmm. And, um, did, is, and we've talked about this in, in, in past shows, even our, our last show, uh, we talked about evaluating businesses right. and, um, having somebody who's, you know, say for example, in the legal industry, evaluate the legal business that's for sale or having somebody who, who is a CPA come in and evaluate the bookkeeping service or the CPA business that's for sale, you know, industry specific people coming in and our, our, the court appointed folks that come out and do the appraisals, um, are they that familiar with almond crops and, Mm. and the, you know, evaluating the trees because I, I have several clients in the almond industry who've told me it's similar to looking at flip houses. You know, a house can be run down to such a point that it is more costly than buying the bare property because the condition of the property is so dilapidated and so run down. And the same thing happens with, uh, with crops, okay. you know, particularly trees, trees that, you know, grow for 20, 25 years. Um, there comes a point in the, the economic life of that crop or those trees to the point that, what's the value of having them because they're at the end of their life and now we have the they cost of ripping out at 90 repl- plus percent of the useful life. Right. So, so, so then we have to evaluate, well, wait a minute. So what, what I actually have is this land that's burdened by the, the, this, you know, these trees that are on it that are at the end of their useful life. And now we actually have to incur the cost to get those trees off and then perhaps replant or, you know, whatever you would do. And, and so, it was a really interesting conversation that we were having regarding the evaluation and which was always what makes me think of you is whenever we're evaluating mm-hmm. how, you know, how do we go about that? And I, and I thought that would be an interesting subject for you in terms of valuating assets, because I think from your perspective, it probably doesn't matter whether you're valuating them to buy and sell a business or you're valuating them for, you know, the purpose of transferring assets between family members or you're evaluating it for an advisory position with um, a client. Right, right. That we jump in and and we need to evaluate. You know, the word assets gets thrown around a lot by a lot of people in different Mm -hmm. 
disciplines. And a lot of people don't really understand what an asset is. Okay, Has so, that happened to you? <laughs> no, I think I'm probably guilty of it. Because to me, an asset is a thing of value. Yes. A thing of value. Okay. Um, you know how I define asset? I'd love to know. It makes money. <laughs> there is positive cash flow. Okay. And a liability, it costs you money. Is negative cash flow. So I put everything through the lens of a balance sheet. And a balance sheet, right, assets make you money. Liabilities lose you money. I plus, like that so minus, simple. And then it's equity. Right. Right. Li- assets equals the formula of the balance sheet. Assets equal liabilities plus equity. If you have no liabilities, your assets equals equity. Okay. So when I look at anything, it's through those lenses, right? Of course, you use your own lenses as an attorney. Mm-hmm. But for me, when I'm evaluating an asset, and that means, and, I, and my purview, it is as it pertains to a business, right? I put something together that banks like that is called a personal financial statement. Well, you and I had talked about that, uh, you know, in multiple times, which is the aggregate of your personal, you know, balance sheet and your sources of income. You know, your, your, your assets and your liabilities and your net worth. Now, except that in a person, we don't call it equity. We call it what? Net worth. What is your net worth? Is the, the stuff that you have and own that can turn into money and the stuff that you owe that you have to pay back. Mm-hmm. And the difference is your net worth. Right. If you have $10 million worth of assets and $5 million worth of liabilities, how do you fill in the gap? Another five, right? Ten equals ten, right? So when I'm evaluating assets, is is the asset producing income? You know, I love this definition from Robert Kiyosaki, you know, as to he he was one of the early guys in the nineties when he wrote this book that we all know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talked about that a, a home it's not an asset. Why? Because it I doesn't thought make it was, you money. I thought it was an asset. But I think it does make you money. Well, you can be... If you are gaining equity. If you're, You can be house rich and cash poor. That is, that is true. So at some point, an asset that could make you money doesn't make you money. What are you going to do with that asset? You have to get rid of it, right? You have to cash into the asset. You have to turn it into cash. After all, this is what we... You know. The reason why I see an asset sometimes um, as a liability is when technically it's disguised as an asset, but true is a liability, right? You're pumping money into fixing this asset. Where are we just talking about the almonds, right? You, what is the cost of fixing this asset so it turns into a profitable asset? Which, you know, it, which is kind of an oxymoron. Why would you have an unprofitable asset? All assets should be profitable. So I'm sorry I went on a rant. That's okay. It's a great rant because it, it's it's that reminder that we need to keep having is that what, how you look at it and, and it, how many people are house poor. So it, a, 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 quite a lot, yeah. unfortunately. You know, uh, a lot of people are, but in even businesses, there are a lot of people that are asset rich and cash poor. Um, and a lot of businesses are not making money. So that we, don't, we really don't have a lot of assets, but for the sake of this show, for the sake of this show, you know, assets, it's 
get involved and entangled in probate, right? Which is where you come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you, you know, how do you advise your clients? You know, how, how does it, how do you, are you brought into earlier on in the process? Where do you get involved in this whole mess? Um, I oftentimes um, somebody has, um, there's a death in the family and they have, nobody has ever really considered how do we change the title? Um, and for example, let's talk about real estate. Um, and it, that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, I had a client come to me whose mother died. She owed very, very little on her house. Um, he started making the payment. Um, he set it up so that it was automatic withdrawal from the bank account. And three years later, got a notice that there was a scheduled trustee sale. Um, and there had been a, the appropriate notices along the way, and even though he was never in default. And what happened was the bank figured out that the loan was for mom. And the loan was no longer being paid by mom because mom was deceased. Mm. And the bank didn't have a contract with son. Bank had a contract with mom. So even though he could have qualified, um, he didn't realize what he was in for. He didn't realize what was happening um, and didn't take any proactive measures. And the bank sold the property at foreclosure and he lost a ton of equity. Because anytime you sell a foreclosure auction, um, while foreclosure foreclosure auctions are now a lot better than they used to be in terms of uh, generating uh, uh, price points, you still lose equity than that you would have not lost had you put it on the open market and sold Correct. It, you know. That's true. So yeah. you, you, I, you never, in my opinion, ever want to go intentionally through auction. Um, there's rare circumstances where that makes sense. But mm. with that being said, um, so we're usually coming in at that point where somebody has not taken a proactive measure or mom passed away 10 years ago and nobody's ever transferred the property. And now we need to make a move with it. Now we need to do something. Um, now we need to get a loan or now we need to sell it. And you go to, go to the title company and it's not that easy. You don't just walk into the recorder's office and there's nobody to sign the grant deed Mm. to, to transfer the title. So we, unfortunately, and I, this is just the nature of our industry. We get involved when it's a, problem mm. and it's not always a problem right when somebody passes away will you ever get involved when this, everything is going hunky-dory and there's no problems would, had, would there be a need for you to get involved this last week i had <laughs> it's all bad several, news all the time several really great couples come in um and proactively set up a living trust <laughs> really so that was it i mean and i i just am so excited when that happens because i see people taking that step to um avoid the problems even though you're not going to be the one dealing with it it's going to be your family members who are dealing mm, with it but yeah. um so yeah we do occasionally and um our business owners who are really um on top of their game are seeking advice on on a regular basis um and we are making accommodations with those business owners you know in terms of billing and charging and and ensuring that they have access to advice without going bankrupt um, and unexpected bills so with that said um the, the, let me explain a little bit about the probate process and, and how it gets started. Initially, you're going to file the petition for probate, and we're going to have somebody, ideally um, a family member who's the nearest relative, um, is going to be named as um, administrator of the estate. If there's a will that names somebody else, then they don't have to be a family member. It would be whoever is, is um, you know, named in the will. Okay. So think of the, our audience right now, you mm-hmm. know, that who we speak to on a, on, on, on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, these are uh, probably, um, I would imagine, you know, 
between 35 and 55 who are either, you know, have parents that take care of. And mm-hmm. then, so you kind of the sandwich generation, mm-hmm. right? We're in the middle of it. Right. And I've thrown myself in there. So we're, or, there's a fair amount of us that are business owners who have assets, right? Spread out. Or, and then you have kids and then you have parents. And, 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 the, and the midst of this is, if I am a business owner, what should I be listening to this? What what should what would you say to a business owner that may or may not have done any of this stuff? What should they need to do today? If you have not made any provisions whatsoever, it's very likely that your business um, is going to fold upon mm, your death. Wow! And and one of the things that's is, scary. It is. It is scary. And it, and depending on how much of a role you play, and is there anybody else in the family that plays a role? Is there anybody else in the family that can step in? Um, now. You know, there are a lot of things that get involved um, from the business perspective if somebody passes away. Um, If that person was the personal guarantor on the lease, are you just going to be able to walk in and renegotiate that lease and put that lease in your name? Maybe, maybe not. Um, it, mm-hmm. are, are you, um, are, do you have access to the bank accounts? Are you able to pay the bills? Is there somebody set up, um, are you a micro business um, or are you a small business owner and, and you have done like Oprah Winfrey and you sign all of your own checks and there is no other signer on your bank account. Wow. You know, so, so how do we keep the business going? How do we cover payroll? I can't just walk into a bank and start writing checks on your account. The bank doesn't let that happen. Are we talking about a disaster preparedness kind of thing? You know what? I think, that is honestly probably the best phrase um, ah, when we talk about all right, probate and avoiding. It's disaster preparedness. So is, is this the, ba- the buzzword for the show? Yeah. Disaster. So I think we're on to something. I think that's a title. I think that's a chapter. Well, we figured it out. All I, right. So I think that's a title. 25, 30 minutes into the show. We have a title, everybody. Yeah. Disaster preparedness and why should you care? So stay tuned. We need to go to break. We'll be right back. Business and Legal Talk with Leo and Claudine making you money. Well, welcome back. We are back on Saturday morning, and we are talking today about probate and disaster preparedness. I think that is, I'm so excited about that phrase because <laughs> if, for somebody who has who has lived through a couple of probates and, and assisted clients going through them, and for those who are out there listening and who have um, been through the probate process, um, disaster preparedness really, really describes it well. Um, so we were talking offline um, a little bit about um, you know valuations and 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 probate and and what the administrator um, of the estate's responsibilities are and just kind of wanted to to touch base on that a little bit. So when somebody is um, appointed as administrator of the estate, they have a tremendous amount of fiduciary responsibility, and their responsibility is to locate and assess the assets. Um, okay, and that's so the number one job. That is that is essentially it. So the administrator of the estate consider them to be kind of the the family member appointed that works with the attorney, who's work. The attorney is kind of the liaison to the court, and the family member is kind of the liaison to the rest of the family and all the personal stuff. So they're 
the family member is the or the close member, whoever's um, appointed in, in a will, is the most likely person to know um, the personal assets, the personal workings of the person who deceased. Um, you know, an attorney who has no idea who this person is and never knew him at all w- would not likely know that, you know, this deceased person had, you know, PG&E stocks or, you know, stocks in, you know, various companies or, or, or other assets out there. So that's why the system is set up to work that way. Mm. Um, so the deceased, or excuse me, the, the appointed person, the administrator of the estate is, is responsible for kind of gathering up all of those assets and figuring out what they are. Mm. And then um, a lot of times we do rely on the probate uh, referees or the uh, appraisers who are working within the court system who are going to, they're registered with the state. They um, you know, are qualified people. Um, but sometimes we get into situations, as we were speaking before the break, um, where the the evaluations come in and we maybe we're not sure if they're correct. Um, so what happens, for example, when property gets put on the market to sell on behalf of the estate? Yeah. And it's overpriced. So then we go through another process to get the price lowered. And, and each step of the way, in order to do that, each step of the way, we have to have court approval. Um, and so it's not just an easy, an easy road. When, um, when we have the court-appointed appraiser set a value on a property, that's, that's it. That's pretty much, um, and we don't usually get... That's the get, rule of the yeah, law? Yeah, we just don't get much more than 2% either side of that. Really? Um, and so it is it is a process. And then what happens is the family is waiting and waiting and waiting. I, I know I'm thinking of several properties in my mind right now that are on the market that have been on the market for a very long time because, that are subject to probate. Because the probate person... Is, are we talking about the trustee? Is that No, no, no trustee no. is with a living trust. Okay, so help. I'm uneducated, okay. so I want to be educated. Okay. So wh- who are the key players in this whole thing? You know, and we'll go back to this whole real estate transaction and the property in the market. Okay. So who are the players? So we have a judge. So we have a judge. That's okay. the probate court, and the probate court only handles probate matters and and matters of transferring and, and dis- distributing assets um, through that through the court process. So we have the judge. We have um, a family member. A close somebody close or somebody who's named in a will who is appointed as administrator of the estate and again they're the liaison between the heirs and the court and then we have the attorney and the attorney is the liaison between the court and the administrator of the estate and the attorney is there to kind of guide the administrator in their duties and their duty is to um, either a follow the instructions of the will okay or if there was no will is to follow the default rules that we have set up in California probate code so the default rules is we divide up the assets amongst the nearest relatives so for a say for a person um, we have a spouse that's nearest relative we have children so what if there's no no children no spouse then it goes to a sibling what if there's no siblings? Then we go to a parent. What if there's so no there parents? is a hierarchy. There is a, a yeah to follow. Now you know what it's I'm thinking. It's called pur sturpees. What? Per, I know. <laughs> I thought it, you were swearing at me. I, I know. Me too. <laughs> 
What's it called? Purr Sturpees. Purr Sturpees. That's just the... Like yeah. A, a cat purring? Purr yeah. P-E-R, but close. Purr I know. You know what I think about when I think about this whole discussion we're having? I think about celebrities and when they die. Yes. Right? Prince. Yes. Right? Um, I think... People relate to that because it's a kind of a diff, they live in a different world. Right. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. How does that play out? Like he had no children, Prince, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's a sister, but somebody else came into the picture. I think of somebody who claimed to be a son. How does that work? I mean, in well, light of the so, in light of the conversation, what went wrong so, that well, was not settled? He should have had a, a, at least a living trust, if, if not multiple. Apparently not. Yeah, no. So, so everybody's vying to be the nearest relative, of course, because a, a child is a near, more near relative than a sibling. So the child would inherit first. So that would be first in the hierarchy. Correct. So there. Okay. So so write this down. All right. So you have a child. Is first. So then from there, if there is no children, well, a spouse is also in, in the mix. So Equal spou- to a child. Spouse and children s- split. But not not necessarily, there, there's some caveats there. But so just there's say, a dotted relationship between the children and the spouse? Spouses and, um, so for example, let's remove the, sp- the spouse. If there is a child, the child would inherit all before a sister or a brother, a sibling, would inherit. The brother and sister would get nothing. Child would get everything. However, if there's a spouse, spouse and child would get at the same time. They, they, they is share. that a split? Or is uh, it, unless it's predetermined? Unless it's predetermined, and then there are some, Hence, there would be a will. There is, right. There are um, some caveats there. Okay. Um, because we can have children from a previous marriage. We can have adopted. We can have, uh, we can have natural ch- children. Um, so there is depending there, of the culture there is, and but, the part of the country you're in. Right, right, exactly. So there <laughs> is some caveats. Live it like that. But at the same time, spouse and children would inherit at the same time. Whereas that's not necessarily the case. Now, if we have no children, no spouse, and we have four siblings, okay, siblings. all four siblings would take equally. So we're going down the food chain here. So siblings, what happens that there are no siblings? We go up to parents. Parents are third. Oh, man. I don't stand a chance. No. Okay, I'm parents. Gonna, then you're you gonna go. You're going to test me here. It's, okay, just take your time. I know you're, you're, you're jogging your memory. I know. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, you know. Like, I know. So, so, okay, while you do that, so there is this whole thing about, okay, so then what happened the, the, the you know, the Michael Jackson state, right? And what happened there? He died. He was 51 years old. It just, it just seems like all these people are dying at 51. Prince was 51. My, you know, Michael Jackson right. was 51. There is a couple other celebrities that were 51 too. That's crazy. I mean, call me crazy, but I know we're, this is not that kind of show, right? But so we have another situation and there's, there is a, there were parents, right? Mm-hmm. What happened? Do you know about this his situation? No, I don't. I don't because five hundred million dollars at stake. I think right? he had estate planning taken care of. He um, must have. But I think and we, he did have children. Yeah, and he did have children. But we also got involved with evaluations. I know. Um, I actually just read recently that um, Neverland's on the market. It's been on the market. They've dropped the price. Was re- it foreclosed, or who? I 
Because it was it wasn't disarray. It was a financial mess. Yeah, it was. And the property was, was it, the property itself was uh, going into dilapidation. But you know, here's an interesting business concept. I, 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 let me take a little sidebar. If you're pulling in hundreds of millions of dollars a year, right, on the top line, if you're running a business, but right. you're also spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year and you have no profit, right? Here's the irony. He was always borrowing against, you know, his assets, you know, his royalties, his uh, digital assets, his music library, et cetera, right? He actually, at some point, had even acquired the Beatles library, part of the Beatles library. Mm-hmm. Remember the whole thing? Right. So they were producing income, but he was f- spending it faster so he kept borrowing against these assets. So you guess what happened after he passed away? There was no more spending. But the income kept coming. Mm-hmm. Right? This, right. Uh, this is passive income. With this amazingly huge music catalogs with music playing all over the world. Which is why it's of more value now than when because, he was alive. So he actually, actually more, he's worth more dead than alive. Right. So there's a lesson here for business owners. You know, I'm always, and I'm sorry I'm going on a tangent. I'm going on a tangent. Go, please go. If you're building a business and you understand what the strategy is and you understand your business model, which we talked about in another show, understanding your business model mm-hmm. so you can scale it. When that happens, you have a winning formula. You will Your revenue and your gross profit will outpace your expenses. Right. So you have this ever-increasing net income. But you have to understand your spending patterns, right? And it's not really the net sales it's more on the gross margin, gross profit, um, you know, so back to, you know, so I, I just wanted to kind of, uh, you know, have a teachable moment, right? right I'm right. always talking about the concept of what does it look like, you know, what are the key performance indicators? And I know we're overlaying this whole thing about, which I, I'm, I'm learning a lot about, you know, probate and wills and 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 uh succession succession planning it is it really is and it's the final chapter i mean it's It's it it really is the final chapter final countdown (laughs) oh my god we're (laughs) singing now i won't (laughs) sing i promise i'll save everybody fell off the deep end totally but anyway europe (laughs) 1985 And you know it. And I know and it. And that's which the is, hilarious part. I just dated part. myself. That is the hilarious Never mind. Part. Bring um, me back. Claudine. Anyway, bring so. Bring me back. It, it, it absolutely is the final chapter because right. we, we have planned, you know, theoretically every step of the way. And then to alleviate the unknown and the disaster, you know, we could easily plan and easily take care of this so that it, it doesn't have to go through the probate process. The probate costs... The cost of doing a probate is based on the gross value of the estate. And I know uh, it was probably six, eight weeks ago that we talked about this. Um, mm. That mm. say, for example, there um, you have a house. Let's just say that's the only asset of, of the business. And um, the administrator of the estate is managing it and you know is going through the probate process and wants to keep the house for the heirs the heirs decide they want to keep the house well probate fees uh, legal fees uh, and costs are statutory they're built into the law it's a particular percentage um, and so for example if you have a uh, estate valued at uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars let's just say 
well, let's just say four two hundred thousand dollars, just an even two hundred. So remember, it's the gross value. It's okay. not remember gross value. Okay, it's the Got gross it. value of the house, not the not the equity. So if you have a house in California and it's value valued at two hundred thousand dollars, what it's going to cost in probate fees and, and executor fees or the uh, fees for the administrator is fourteen thousand dollars. Okay, that must come out of the estate. If there's not money in the estate, or the administrator doesn't have that money in their pocket, the court will order you to sell that house. Got it. All right, everybody, stay tuned. I know we're, we're going to leave you at a cliffhanger. We'll be right back. Business and Legal Talk with Leon Claudine. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. I think, Claudine, you did a great job in the last segment. I want to give you okay. props. I want to oh, give you kudos. You. Here's the good kudos right here. See with my two thumbs up? Woo-hoo. Great job. Thank I mean, you. We work well off each other. And I think um, for the audience member, if, you know, as, as you're listening to this, is it's it takes a village to get all these thoughts processed, you know, all these angles and all these things that you have to worry about as a business owner. Not only do you have to worry about being profitable and growing, having a sustainable business, but also what's going to happen later in the last right. chapter. So one of the things that, that I, I really want people to understand about the difference between probate and living trusts um, and is that probates are public. Um, and, and you would be surprised... Uh, you know, the, you know, the public notices, which are what's sustaining a lot of biz, uh, newspapers that don't write news anymore. They just basically you publish. You mean that the back pages where yeah. there's all this. And you'd be surprised how expensive them are. The one of them we called the newspaper because we had to run a public ad here recently. And it was down in Southern California, I think Lancaster. $320 to run this ad. It was you know, just whereas, for example, we have newspapers around here that run them for you know, roughly 100 um, But that's because they don't do much more anymore than, you know, run public notices. But with that being said, um, people come out of the woodwork. You would be super surprised how many people come out of the woodwork. They see those notices and they say, oh, Joe Smith, you know, I did work for him and he owes me and, you know, becomes a creditor of the estate. Mm. And that's, um, that happens. It does happen. And it, it happens, it happens with foreclosure properties too. We see it happening that there are unscrupulous people. Um, I've seen it mostly in Southern California that they go record mechanics liens against properties that they know are going into foreclosure that they can see that the mortgage is a very small mortgage or the amount owed against the property is very small and the property is in a neighborhood that is likely to sell for more than what is owed. Mm-hmm. Um, I have fought four of them. Uh, two of them, the same the same character, had he had gone and, and created um, a phony contract and signed the property owner's name to the contract and um, claimed that the property owner owned owed $50,000 and wow. went and recorded a mechanics lien for $50,000. And the owner of the property had never even met him. And had they not had uh, us on board to to fight those liens and to examine those liens, chances are she was an elderly one. Bo- both of them were elderly folks. Um, chances are that money would have been paid by the trustee, the foreclosure trustee. Um, we see that happening also. Um, so all of this is very public. All of the assets are, court records are public records. And so 
it's a very, very public process. And you have to kind of, um, you, you can get into a point where you're batting down um, some unscrupulous people just going through that process. Um, probates, you can expect it to take at least a year at least a year if everything's smooth and there's really not a lot of assets. Um, year and a half is very, very common. I have a client who's um, entered into their eighth year. Um, it was a large, large estate. It was clear what the uh, instructions were. There was a will uh, because it was a will and not a living trust. It went through probate anyway. Um, the administrator is one of the children and he now lives in Europe and doesn't really he got his disbursement and there, cause there, there can be disbursements along the way. Um, but there's still, you know, a couple million dollars that need to be distributed and need to be cleaned up. And, and the accounting firm that was hired was named in the will. It was a good friend of the deceased. Turns out the accounting firm was not on top of things. And then the administrator of the estate had to petition the court to bring in another accounting firm and that in itself is a huge process because now you're you're asking the court to do something that is against the will, mm, um, which okay. is a huge huge process. Um, <clears throat> the courts don't want to do that. They want you know we're going to adhere to the will as as closely as possible, um, and that just extended um, probably ultimately by years uh, because the accounting kept being the the beneficiaries kept saying that this accounting is not correct. It's not correct. It's not correct. And then there was argument about it. And then it was ultimately, we got a request um, permission from the court to be able to bring in another accounting firm. So it can be grueling and excruciating. Mm. And when the beneficiaries are sometimes, you know, needing the inheritance or they would like to take the inheritance during their lifetime and use it for something or invest it in a business, those years are ticking away, ticking away, tick, that time's ticking away. Um, I really see some really messy situations when we have spouses, um, second marriages, third marriages. And um, I have a client we're working with who um, is on a second marriage and, you know, dearly loves his wife, but he also loves his adult children and wants to provide for his adult children. Ooh, that gets, you, gets you could feel that. Oh, you could feel I can that. Feel when, the tension rising. You could feel that right away. Right, and, right away. and, you know, wife also works in the business and, mm. um, adult children work in the business. And so how do we do this? You know where I go with all of this? And I know we only have a few minutes. I mean, the hour has gone by. There's a lot that has been discussed. This, I land on the business owner. <coughs> Excuse me. So we have a business with, and I'll say in my case, almost 100% closely held family right. businesses. Right. Isn't that what we all want? If we can, if we can be held, right. We don't want outside input. We don't want the public. You know, if, if you go very, very few, very small percentage of all businesses actually go that route of going public. Uh, the vast majority of the American engine is small business owners. Oh, absolutely. There are 28 million businesses in the U.S. And sadly, um, I recently, you know, was reading about this 70 78% or higher are barely making it or going under, right? So this is a real thing. So you have this closely held family businesses that where you have to deal with this. You don't want to wait until something happens. And you know what? Nobody is prepared to die. 
I mean, who, okay, let me go ahead and see. In about three weeks, I'm going to get into an accident. What should I do now? Nobody knows, right? We don't know what's going to happen. So it behooves the business owner to be started really figuring out. It's about it's about what? What have we, we been saying? Disaster preparedness. How are you prepared to take care of your family if you are the business owner in the site, you know, in, in the large amount of your net worth is tied up to your business? Now, you may have other real estate or other assets, that are hopefully income producing assets tied to your net worth, but you know, for most of us, it'll be your business. So, right. are you prepared? And what are your um, final comments on this, uh, Claudine, that you want, in, aside from picking up the phone and calling you today, but perhaps not today, but it's Saturday. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Right, 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 right. Um, don't call on, today. Please don't call. Well, if you call today, probably going to get a voicemail. Right, eh, once right. in a while, I'm there, but oftentimes I don't answer. Um, honestly, the takeaway is please don't be afraid to, pay, to plan for the final chapter um, because most of us business owners are working day in and day out to keep as much money as possible use that money, use those assets to uh, move our families forward. Um, and when the government automatically steps in and takes it and the government takes control of it, whether it be through the state or whether it be through the fr- franchise tax board or whether it be through the bro- probate courts, um, you're allowing the state to step in and um, they do the best they can. The probate judges, the, the folks that work within the system, they really do the best they can. Um, but family members... Um, and, and unscrupulous people have an opportunity to come in. And by the time it's all said and done, there's very little left oftentimes. Um, prepare for this. Take the time and go get a living trust. Um, take the time to plan it. Even a will, a probated will is far l- better than a probated estate that has nothing. Um, mm. You know, it, it well, I, I would virtually say 99% point nine percent of the time it's better to have a living trust um living trusts are private they're not recorded there's no probate there's no notices run in public newspapers it's a it's a contract and you help uh people with that right? oh absolutely 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 we give us a call we can definitely help you out um it's all for all intents and purposes it's a very low cost in the scheme of things um it's 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 really really a good value um but it it helps you walk through the steps of Thinking about it and making those decisions. An ounce of prevention is it's is worth a pound, a pound of, of what cu- of cure, right? A pound of cure all so, day long, every day. An ounce of prevention is wor- is more than a pound of cure. Yeah. So, um, it was been great having you on the show. Uh, this is not your typically hype show, but it is it is a real show, and and it, it would be it would be remiss if we didn't talk about all the aspects of business ownership, right. and we left this out. I think you need to know everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly yep. of really being a successful uh, entrepreneur and business owner. Absolutely. It has been a pleasure having you on the show. I, we wish you all a great weekend. Have a and fantastic And we're signing week. out Business and Legal Talk with Leon Claudine. We're out. Thank you. 